0: Cordless tools charge ahead with battery technology. <clears throat> right off the bat, you may be thinking, why are we talking about cordless tools? Well, we're really talking more about battery technology. And uh, this particular article, which I will be reading, and I'll, I'll talk about who authored it, so on and so forth here in a moment. But the reason I picked this particular one is it's really talking about the history of batteries all the way back from uh, you know, ca- uh, carbon, zinc, so in other words, like uh, pre-alkaline batteries to alkaline batteries to nickel-cadmium, lithium-ion, lead acid. It's a it's a really neat article. And so those those people that uh, if you're interested in battery technology and where we came from and and where we are, uh, it's it's going to be a good one. So uh, as usual, a couple quick commercials. Um, if you want to get a hold of me via email, it's bkpodcast5 at gmail dot com. Uh, the main um, Distributor of this podcast is Podbean.com. If you want to check me out there, just do a search for Brad's Motorworks, and uh, the podcast will come up. Uh, up a right-hand corner is a icon for uh, become a patron. And if you want to help to you know subscribe to the podcast and help support it financially, I'd appreciate that. Uh, you can sign up. It's you can do it for one month or continuous or whatever you feel is appropriate uh... it's it's five dollars a month but again you can do less you can do more you can cancel it at any time it's up to you uh... the biggest thing really that you're going to get out of it is that i've taken about twelve to fifteen of the previous podcasts and made them only available uh, via subscription and uh... if you go that route if if you listen to what i have to say on those podcasts and apply the information in your automotive life so to speak as far as ownership and driving and everything uh, I know you're going to save thousands, if not maybe even tens of thousands of dollars if you apply the information that I provide you in those podcasts. So check it out. I appreciate it. Um, this one is coming from a automotive trade magazine called Tech Shop. So it is written kind of for technicians, but it's you know it's pretty uh, uh, plain Jane. You don't have to be a techno to figure out what, what they're talking about. Uh, it was written by a fellow by the name of it's either Eric Garb or Garby. It's probably Garb. So we'll we'll go with that, and uh, like I say, he's talking about battery technology from many, many years ago to where we are currently. So, uh, you know, kind of a neat uh, article, and and we'll go from there. Here we go. Cordless power tools have been one of the hottest topics for the last few years. We owe their impressive performance to technology and innovation, but if there's one thing that deserves a lot of the credit, it's the battery. If I had a nickel for every time I've mentioned how battery technology has improved over recent years, I wouldn't be playing the lottery tonight. Or for that matter, the next time the jackpot gets really big, because we all know we're more likely to be abducted by aliens than win the lottery. So while I'm saving my nickels, I figured it's a good time to finally write something about how battery technology has improved. Admittedly, my boasting over new batteries hasn't been based on any specific expertise or scientific knowledge, but rather just personal experience. I'm not alone, being a member of the D-cell generation, with many years spent battling old flashlight batteries as well as somewhat lackluster performance of early cordless tools. Knowing the batteries are better is one thing, but to appreciate and understand why they are so good today, I needed a timeline so I could wrap my head around it. All. Batteries themselves were a monumental invention dating back to the late 1800s. Prior to the development of a dependable battery, acetylene lamps were used in homes, on cars, motorcycles, and bikes, on boats, and in the coal mines. The the acetylene gas was formed by a reaction between calcium carbide and water, and it was either piped to the lamp, such as in the case of a home, or the entire process, including the burning flame, took place within a lamp, which, in the case of a coal mining, was small enough to be worn on the head. This was advanced chemistry of the time. Then came the first batteries. They must have been they must have seemed amazing at the time, but comparatively, there's nothing from the twentieth century that can remotely come close to the batteries of today. So what is it that was, had made such a difference? Like it or not, it's all about chemistry. We all know what a battery does. it creates electricity from a chemical reaction, right? Even better, we're all familiar with how a traditional lead acid battery works because this is still the most common type we see in automotive use. It's a chemical reaction in which the plates inside the battery react with the electrolyte solution of sulfuric acid and water. Uh, This is off script. This is probably one of the most common mistakes that people think is that they think batteries store electricity. They don't. They store chemi- chemicals that cause that, uh, depending upon the circumstances, have a chemical reaction which creates electricity. So batteries actually store chemical energy, not electricity. So anyway, back on script. Um, since the positive lead oxide, lead oxide, and negative lead plates are made of different material, the chemical reaction between them differs. During the reaction of the positive plates and the electrolytes, sulfate joins with the lead and kicks oxygen ions into the electrolyte, which then, I'm sorry, which join with hydrogen atoms to form water. On the flip side, in the reaction between the negative plates and the electrolyte, sulfate joins with the lead and electrons are released in the process. Electrons carry a negative charge, and therefore, a buildup of negative electrons is available at the negative terminal of the battery. Since negative electrons naturally repel each other just like two similar poles of a magnet, and since electricity is the flow of electrons, when we provide a path between the negative and positive sides of the battery, the negatively charged electrons are attracted to the positively charged atoms on the other side of the battery, and hence we have current flow. This may seem like old news, but it lays important groundwork in the understanding of all batteries. When there is no path for current to flow, there is a buildup of negative electrons, and with nowhere to go, they sit and wait, and the chemical production of electricity stops. But they are sitting, waiting impatiently for a path to flow. The electrical potential that is available at this point is the battery voltage. When any electrical consumer is initiated, a path for current flow is created and the chemical production of electricity resumes. As this chemical reaction occurs in a wet cell battery, the electrical potential voltage is continuously available. However, the chemical state of the battery continues to change as the chemical reaction occurs and the electrolyte slowly becomes diluted, eventually becoming mostly water with no sulfuric acid left to react with the positive and negative plates. The plates themselves are then coated with lead sulfate, Uh, again off script. This is when a battery becomes what's called sulfated. A lot of technicians do not necessarily know this process. They don't know what he's talking about in this article. Um, they, I can't tell you how many times I'd be working next to someone, a, a supposed technician, and they're trying to figure out a battery charging system problem. And the battery uh, might test okay, but yet it won't hold a charge properly, and the car keeps coming back with a dead battery. And I might ask them, would you check to see if it's sulfated? And they just look at me like, huh? you know, what are you talking about? So, So this is all good stuff. So anyway, back on script. At this point, the battery is considered dead and does not have the ability to produce enough voltage for any of the components in the system to operate. There are many chemical and electrical factors that come into play when a battery discharges, and it can be a much deeper hole we won't go down for now, but the bottom line is that the available voltage and current will steadily decrease at a consistent rate. This too is an important point, and it's why, if you were to watch the intensity of a light for example, it would slowly get dimmer and dimmer until the battery was dead. As the chemical ability of the battery slowly diminishes, so does the electrical potential it can generate. By introducing electrical current back into a wet cell battery, the chemical process is reversed, ultimately resulting in a fully charged battery, one that has all its chemical potential available. Now let's look at a typical dry cell battery, for example a flashlight D cell. Like an automotive battery, it generates electricity through a chemical reaction. But a traditional lead-acid battery is a wet cell battery, which means, quite obviously, that there is liquid inside. We know the liquid is the electrolyte, and it is necessary for the chemical reaction between both the positive and negative plates. A dry cell battery works in the same way, except the chemical makeup is different. There is still a positive and negative. However, the electrolyte substance, while often originating as a liquid, is either soaked into the barrier between the positive and negative materials, or it is the f- in the form of a gel. Either way, it can't and won't leak out, so the battery is considered dry. The original dry cell battery—we've got to change pages, pages here—was zinc-carbon combination. These batteries could not be recharged since the chemical reaction that occurred could not be reversed. Many companies pursued the chemical advancement of batteries and eventually the alkaline battery made its mark on battery performance with a much longer battery life and higher energy density. In this case, the alkaline terminology referred to the chemical components that made up the electrolyte, but the rest of the battery makeup differed as well. Alkaline batteries were still not rechargeable, but with almost double the energy density, they were a huge step from the original zinc carbon dry cell. Eventually, all thanks to chemistry, rechargeable dry cell batteries were developed, and you've already heard of them. They are familiar terms like nickel cadmium, or what's called NiCAD, nickel metal hydride, which is NIMH, and lithium ion, which is L-I-I-O-N. I think you've got a pretty good handle on the theme here, but there's more icing to put on the cake. NICAD and lithium ion batteries are eventually, excuse me, NICAD and lithium ion batteries eventually began to come out ahead as two of the best performers. Compare them to anything prior and you've got winners, but lithium ion has been stealing the show in recent years and has really put the crowning touch on battery technology. NiCAD batteries are just as powerful as they are less expensive than lithium-ion, leading the scales in their favor, but here's where they start to tip back the other way. Lithium-ion batteries are smaller and lighter than NiCADs, because lithium-ion is able to produce a higher voltage than any other battery, so less size is needed for the same power. This aspect of lithium-ion gives it a higher energy density than any other battery lithium-ion also experiences a very minimal self-discharge effect to the point where it's almost considered none self-discharge occurs in almost every other type of battery where there's just enough chemical activity taking place to slowly drain them down while this will while this effect won't be noticeable for the tools you use every day the variety of cordless tools is so vast that most of us have them at home too often with extra batteries it doesn't take much for months to fly right by, and when all of a sudden you need that cordless tool that's in your toolbox at home, wouldn't it be better if the battery was still charged? NiCAD batteries also suffer from a memory effect, meaning they remember the point in which their recharging cycle began. In subsequent uses, when they reach this point, voltage begins to drop off quickly, diminishing the performance. This is why it's recommended to use a NiCAD battery until it's completely dead before recharging it." Okay. It's easy to see why lithium-ion steals the show, but there's one other really neat aspect of them that makes their performance so noticeably different. Their load characteristics allow them to provide a consistent electrical potential to within seconds of them being dead. This means there's no drop-off in performance or slowing down of the tool. They pack a punch right up until the end. While lithium-ion batteries are riding high with all their advantages, they do require sophisticated control electronics in order to operate and maximize their advantages, which can in some cases make them more fragile. NiCAD batteries can make a claim to durability on this end, and since they don't need the sophisticated control, they are often still more common for electronics such as cameras. As with many things, there are pros and cons when deciding between one product or another. With cordless tools, it may come down to the additional feature of the tool because no matter how you look at it the batteries are just plain good and they can only get better okay interesting article you know obviously it takes you through from everything from the coal miner and strap-on lantern on their head to where we are today the thing he didn't mention about lithium-ion he did mention that they're fragile and one of the downsides to them this is again an off article this is just me talking We've all seen in the news, you know, a Tesla or, or you know, different cars that, uh, whether it be a, a hybrid or any car that's got a battery in it, it's more likely it's a lithium-ion battery. And the downside to them is that if they are physically damaged, okay, it, whether they be crushed, compressed, if any somehow any kind of pressure, external pressure is put on the cells, they can start to deteriorate. Will they, where they will go into a a chemical reaction that produces they start overheating it starts producing a flammable gas if there's a point of ignition it will obviously start on fire which of course creates more heat which creates no more chemical reaction which creates more gas which creates more fire and you can see where this is going okay This is why there's been in the news where it's taken fire departments three, four, five, six hours to put out as a, for instance, a Tesla car that's on fire, okay, where they're throwing everything at it. They've wasted thousands upon thousands of gallons of water, and they still can't put the thing out because it's self-generating, okay? It's not a normal fire, okay? So... <clears throat> it's one of the downsides of lithium-ion and and this is also of course why a lot of times the airlines don't want you to take uh, you know lithium-ion batteries whether it be they don't want them on board uh, at all or they want them where they're in the you know in your carry-on luggage or they want them where they're in your check bag you know who's to say why one airline wants one thing one way or the other but uh, in any case they're they can certainly be dangerous however you know, again, lithium-ion batteries for the for their energy density and the weight-to-power ratio type of a thing, uh, it's the best we have so far. So, I hope you found that interesting. I thought it was certainly a neat article. Uh, I learned a few things myself, and uh, like I say, I hope you found it interesting. So, again, just real quick, if you want to get a hold of me via email, it's bkpodcast5 at gmail.com, and check out that website, the Brad's Motorworks website on Podbean. And uh, I hope you found it interesting, and uh, I appreciate your time listening. I hope you have a fantastic day and a great tomorrow. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been an honor and a privilege to spend time with you. I hope you found this of value. Please share it with family and friends. Above all else, with all you're getting, get understanding. May God bless you and keep you, and thank you again.